You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Inflation, recession, stagflation. Just what the hell is going on? Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to another Real Vision podcast. So, what the hell is going on? We all want to know. Here at Real Vision, we've debuted a special series called Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong? We've called on the world's best experts, including Juliette DeClerc, David Rosenberg, Peter Zihan, Pierre Anderan, and many more, to try and help us make sense of things. These real experts will be giving Real Vision members in depth, long form analysis on the real stuff that's happening. And best of all, you can get access to all 14 days of Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong for just $1. Yep, $1. So head over to realvision.com slash global recession. That's realvision.com slash global recession to join us on this epic two-week journey of discovery. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, May 5th. I'm Maggie Lake, and here with me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. Uh, And Tony, it's a bloodbath in the U.S. markets today, complete opposite of what we saw yesterday. Let's just run through the numbers quickly for folks who, who may be listening while they're driving or walking. Big equity rally we saw yesterday completely evaporated, really almost from the start of trade. The NASDAQ, it's all settling here, down about 5%. And believe it or not, that's actually off the lows of the day. The S&P looks like it's going to settle around three and a half. The Dow off a thousand, a loss of over 3%. We're looking at a 10-year yield that is around 3.04. Uh, again, off, off the worst levels of the day, but a major switch from what we saw yesterday. Crypto got hammered earlier. Uh, that seems to be kind of hanging down toward the lows, but you're off between about seven and nine percent, depending on what you're looking at. And the VIX uh, is up on the day, 23 percent. You know, Tony, this was just this was just an ugly looking day. I mean, I guess there's like a glimmer of comfort that it didn't just, you know, bang into the end right at the lows of the day. But, but talk to me, what happened today? Stay tuned for that tomorrow, Maggie. Yeah. Tomorrow's Friday's close. You will likely see a lot of the things that closed poorly today close on their dead ass low tomorrow. And, you know, what's all over the screens today is an immediate reversal of that post FOMC bounce that we saw yesterday. You know, it, 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 today we've all of a sudden we come back to the worst day in the stock market since like uh, April 29th. Um, oh, I didn't even get what year that was, excuse me. But we've got a two sigma free fall in Apple of 6%. We've got some subsectors of technology like cloud storage evaporating for 7% new closing low, internet stocks, software stocks, FANG stocks off 6%. We have a huge two sigma drop in cybersecurity stocks and then also in home builders. This is like the stock market woke up and all the interest rate sensitive portions of the market said, got it, we're still in a tightening cycle, which means we go lower. And so that's what it seems like the rotation is on the tape to me. You know, look at what's what's down the least today. You know, utilities, energy, consumer staples. That that's a sort of 
evidence of the great rotation that I've been preaching. Mm-hmm. We've got a huge dollar wrecking ball move right to a new high. And it looks like it's it's uh, dismantled the Swiss, the Rand and the Juan on its way. Um, you know, so these are major macro moves and the moves within the stock market are really rhyming with the great rotation that I've been expecting um, with rising yields in this rising yield environment. So really no surprise, but just a sort of different shape of that rotation on the tape today. Yeah. So, Tony, why? I mean, I think people, um, you know, who are watching this and, and th- these are the kind of headlines that's going to stoke a lot of fear, right? Because it's going to be plastered all over, you know, the the morning news, the nightly news. Um, why the why the huge shift from yesterday to today? So it fits in with your worldview, but what what happened? You know, was there something more technical yesterday that sort of pushed that rally as opposed to some real relief around the Fed? Why are we seeing this these day to day swings? Yeah, you know, Maggie, I, I I always contend that the Fed likes to have the market go higher every day that they have an FOMC meeting, just because they like to have the tape look like it's saying yes, we agree very much with what the Federal Reserve is doing. Because you can go and look back and there's kind of evidence that on FOMC days, the market's generally rallying. So the market was assured yesterday um, to me by this little, um, what I call the we're not going to amputate um, call by the Federal Reserve, which is like if a doctor walked in on your first moment of a checkup and said, look, ma'am or sir, we're not going to amputate the lower half of your body for starters. So we're in good shape. Right. Just to kind of set you up for anything after that is going to be good news. Then he went on and said that we're highly keyed in on the inflation that's happening now. And we're going to go through a series of 50 basis point rate hikes to start combating that. And I think that once it wears off that that 75 basis point hike wasn't really a dovish comment at all. It wears into the markets that it was still a very hawkish comment. And we are in the process of a tightening cycle because now The Federal Reserve has got to adjust the commodity inflation that's roaring all over the screens and will likely continue to in the face of a 50 basis point rate hike, because that's just not enough. Yeah, I love that analogy. It's so great. And it's so true. And 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 by the way, we ta- Darius and I talked about that yesterday because he's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. like there's still there's there's not a lot of good news in here. Like he he's you know, he's kind of laying out and downplaying the idea that they can actually achieve a soft landing. Um, So so you're so right about that. You know, we also talk to me a little bit about you talking about the great rotation and you have been talking about this for months now. Talk to me a little bit about the framework that you're operating around that. But by the way, we ha- we did in the midst of all this ugliness, we did have some pretty terrible economic data out today too. We had a reading on productivity here in the US that was like the lowest since 1947 while labor costs were going up, right? That is not a combination you want to see. Um it, you, you're paying more for less output, point, pointing a lot of people in the direction of stagflation, which is terrible. Um, you know, what's your what's what's the framework you're operating off of, Tony? Do you think so, inflation is peaked or, you know, what's your read on that? No, not 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 close, Maggie. I think that that the commodity rally is going to continue in earnest. And the reason that I think that is because the great rotation that that you mentioned that I've been talking about, that entails a pretty specific set of circumstances in the markets. And generally what it's driving at the great rotation is natural resources being able to rally and natural resources stocks being able to rally or at least hold their ground while the technology sector takes a beating. And I say that because, you know, we've been in a 20 year bull market for technology 
um, with rates largely pinned at zero. And I think it's very clear now that the genie is out of the bottle in terms of commodity rallies. We've got low inventories of commodities. We've got commodities rally prices rallying. And we've got that political attack on supply through ESG and carbon zero. So with that in mind, I still think that there's, you know, I, I'm not going to get into that. The inflation is too high camp, um, the Jimmy McMillans, which I call them, because I don't have a reason why the inflation should stop right now. Right. If there is an attack on supply, then I don't know what is going to stop, for example, natural gas, which rallied 30 percent in April and rallied um, you know, 20 percent this week. I don't know what's going to stop that unless the ESG policy or the carbon neutral policy is adjusted. Same thing with WTI. We're back to testing one hundred and ten dollars a barrel, likely heading to higher prices. Um, we've got no diesel fuel and we've got no diesel fuel inventory and diesel fuel prices are going through the moon and the people that are buying diesel fuel aren't backing off from their purchases due to price just yet. Hmm. So we've got inelastic diesel fuel prices and, you know, we, that means that the economy is bearing, you know, sort of that extra delivery cost for now. And if you listen to some of the CEOs of the airline calls, they're optimistic because they see demand that's been pent up coming back to the airports. And so there's the demand for jet fuel that doesn't seem like it's going away right now, right? There's nobody saying, I'm not gonna go take a trip. That airline flight ticket is too expensive because the jet fuel is out of hand. Mm -hmm. So until we get to a point like that, you know, that's to me where the stagflation actually kicks in. Um, and right now, we're still in a phase where the market seems like it can bear some of the price rises that are happening, and other parts of the market cannot. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why you see sort of wheat get back on its feet today with higher natural gas and energy prices, and the metals markets start to come back to life at support levels. Because if we're going to continue to press on, this rotation is likely to continue. And today, one of the canaries in the coal mine is a huge move higher in 30-year rates. Right. So the 30, the long end of the curve moving higher, you know, puts a hurting on home builders. And they're sitting here sort of at a consolidation point trying to decide if the fundamental trend is strong enough to get them to turn or if the trend in rates going higher is going to continue to put pressure on that sector. So, you know, there's a lot up for grabs right here, Maggie, but it feels like we're going to see more pronounced great rotation because we were in the, in the great rotation in the month of April before the FOMC meeting. And then this week, we're still so showing signs of that great rotation after the FOMC meeting. So I'm expecting this snowball to start getting bigger and picking up speed as we head first into the end of the week and then into the middle of this month. And we'll see what happens. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Mm. I, I, I want to just get a quick question in from Mark on the RV site and some great ones coming through. So keep them coming and we'll get through as many as we can. But Mark asking, since you're just specifically talking about Nat Gas, Tony, um, how high do you think Nat Gas goes? I heard some, some big numbers being talked about today. What, what are you looking at? 
Well, it's I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to put a top on the number that na- of how high natural gas can go when we've got low inventories from the U.S. to Europe. We've got low, Europe right now desperately trying to fill up their tanks for the winters for winter storage. And I would imagine that's probably a lot of what's driving price right now. Mm-hmm. And we've still got a particularly tight situation in terms of inventories. So that's keeping the spreads really tight. And so now we've got this really steep backwardated natural gas curve with a huge kink in the winter months, which means that uh, even higher premium for the winter months, because the market knows that these tanks have got to get filled up and there's nowhere else to get them but the spot market right now. And so the natural gas to me, I mean, it looks like it's going to head two or through $10 at this point. The reason that I can think that with some conviction and, and, and natural gas is the hardest dragon to slay in the whole commodity complex. The reason that I can think that, though, is that it's behaving perfectly technically, right? It backed off from its $7 something highs into the recent highs of 650. And that's the level that they broke out from. Natural gas held like a rock there. And here we are, um, two, two and a quarter dollars higher, basically with very few offers in sight for that same reason. Europe is out there trying to fill their tanks, and the only place they can get it right now is the spot market. So I wouldn't be shocked to see this go to $11, $12 teens, or it could easily go higher than that, Maggie. And I don't think yeah. the world's prepared for that at all. Yeah, that's what I heard someone talking about a 20 number today, and it was kind of shocking, but then, you know, it, it drifted in. I, I, I'm, we've got some fantastic questions coming. I can tell uh, from the nature of them that they're regulars, the regulars who, who listen to you, um, Jimmy, David, Mark, Adam. And I think that they are, I, I think I understand the nature, and I'm going to touch on this, of their time horizon. Um, the specificity they're asking questions with makes me think that they're sort of trading on a regular basis like we know you do, Tony, really short term um, in some of these things. But asking that question or putting that out there in terms of what time horizon you're thinking about is incredibly important, isn't it? And this is sort of, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, there are bits where you and Raul agree. And we've been talking about this all week. We're doing this uh, series, The Global Recession, Is Everyone Wrong?, to try to tease out where what people are thinking about in terms of what's happening with the global economy, you know, what that means for markets, and importantly, what time horizon are you looking at? Because, you know, that means everything. And as part of that, Christian Alexander, Teddy Valley, and Eric Basmagian sat down together to sort of chew it over in a fantastic roundtable. I want to play a clip of something that Eric said when it comes down to this question of recession. Have a listen. My view is that as the government size has risen to such a high level and it's increased dramatically after uh, after COVID, it's going to continue to push the trend growth rate lower and lower to the point where it makes recessions more likely and more frequent because the trend growth is already so close to zero. So I believe that part of what's happening is the economy's normalizing to trend, but that trend is a lot weaker than what it was historically. It's not 2% anymore. And, it, and you know, when we were in the 2010 Obama era, we had to reluctantly accept that growth was 2% because we were used to 3% in the pre-GFC era. So we've slowed from 3 to 2, and now that 2 is, is, is history. We're now at a, at a 1% trend growth. That's my view. And the, the, the closer that your trend growth settles to zero, the more frequent and likely recessions are going to be. So 
coming back to this theme, I just think that that's another reason why over the next six to 12 months, uh, a recession is going to be even more, more likely. So, Tony, do you think that there's going to be recession and, and does it matter for the types of trades you're putting on right now on your, based on your time horizon? I'm not a biologist. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be a recession. You know, I'm obviously riffing on that uh, other news topic. But my point is, um, I don't really know and I don't prognosticate recessions because I'm not an economist. What I do try to do is stay away from being a terminal bear on the U.S. economy it always seems to me like there's some sector of the economy that that gets going and roaring that nobody really accounts for. You know, we've seen we saw a massive, um, you know, rush into real estate that 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 created a bubble and it went on for a long time. You know, there was that sort of bubbling section of the economy that was roaring and it's not going to be that now, but it might be something like solar. Right. Like the solar business is growing left and right. I know a lot of people that are, are sort of chasing down that bull market right now very successfully in a number of different ways. And so that's kind of something that could, you know, make up for some other economic weakness. So I don't know yeah. about the economy and I don't want to waste any listeners time, you know, trying to prognosticate. I, I react to what happens on the screens, Maggie. You know, I yeah. you had to but get forward. But but you make a very good point, which is that you're not locking yourself into a thesis. And I think that's something we're learning from all these conversations. And by the way, um, that full interview is available for all Central Plus and Pro members. And we're going to tell you how to find out if you're not a member, how you can access all of it um, at the end of this. But but you're but but I think that's really important, Tony, that you sort of leave yourself open when when we have a question um, coming from David on the RV site. What's your take on bonds? We've seen a big move. You mentioned the 30-year today. So what are you looking at in terms of the bond market, and how are you positioning around that? I'm looking at its horrendous performance, and I'm saying that I'm not a bond trader either. <laughs> so you're going to ask, you're going to wonder why the hell you have me on this show in another minute. But I, you know, I'm not a bond expert, but my point is I am a performance junkie, and it's very clear that we are off to the worst start of a year in history for the bond market by a large margin. I don't think that that's something to take lightly, given the background situation that's causing it, mm -hmm. right? You know, and and the situation that I'm referring to is that tightness in commodities and vertical commodity trading, right? Especially when we're entering this sort of wacky period where we've got supply chain issues that are likely to get worse. Um, you know, I don't like to mess around and 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 you know try to put a top on where this commodity rally can go. So I think that that really can continue. And I think that as long as the Fed is going to play patty cake with this type of soaring double digit inflation, the Fed is going to continue to get bitten in the ass. And I think that that's what's coming when they throw out this 50 basis point rate hike. They feign dovishness by saying we're not going to cut us uh, hike 75 and the market realizes it doesn't make a difference. We are in a 50 basis point per meeting tightening cycle unless the commodity market falls over and dies. And that is not about to happen given the structural setup right now. Yeah, which is why it's important you have to watch. And by the way, a lot of people pointing out that, um, you know, if you're looking at the first quarter, you got killed in equities, you got killed in bonds. Um, so people are really looking for some place they can go that's going to hold up in this environment. Um, Adam from the RV site asking, Tony, uh, thoughts on industrial metals and precious metals? I'm bullish. You know, I want to stay bullish in those sectors despite their pullbacks. You know, gold miners are a tough performer trading on the back of gold, which really has been a really tough uh, trade to latch onto because 
it's kind of doing what gold should do and and remaining unvolatile in a volatile time period. So while I do like them, I do feel like it is going to be an uphill battle being long gold miners. I think that metals, uh, industrial metals in mining like Alcoa and Freeport McMoran and things like that are really potentially in the early stages of a long, long bull market. And I think that because it doesn't seem, like I said, it doesn't seem like politically we have reached any kind of moment where there's going to be any kind of back off in anyone's net zero plans. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that evidence continue to coming out, to be coming out from the political side, really just kind of showing that the plan is intact right now and that everybody's going to have to deal with what goes on. Um, since they're not backing off there, I can stay incrementally bullish metals and mining. Now, that is going to be a bucking bronco going forward because, number one, it's going to trade a little bit off of that ESG net zero um, theme, but it's also going to trade on this higher fossil fuel prices for longer, meaning probably higher metals prices for longer, too, since energy is such a huge input to metals to, to mining. Mm -hmm. So get that given the case, you know, for me, the longer the met the longer the, the fossil fuels can stay bid up here is really what's going to keep everything else buoyant. And this is one of the first times in my life that I've ever seen all three subsectors of commodities go, you know, low inventory, high price, full bull mode like they are now. So this has got my radar really, really um, glued to the screens about this. Yeah, it's incredible. Paul asking, let's let's bring in another aspect of commodities too. Paul uh, E asking, what are your thoughts on ag commodity prices and agribusiness stocks? I'm massively bullish, right? Like I, I think that, man, you know, you can see these these really troubling stories about you know the fires at food processing plants, and it only makes the ones that are in operation more dear and more valuable. You know, I think things like Archer Daniels Midland and Tyson Foods are good plays. Um, I think that being in the grains markets are, are good plays, although you've got to do it carefully and professionally because they're very volatile and dangerous to trade. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that is a sweet spot. To me, it looks like that's where I would be looking if I wanted to trade in and out of a several year bull market. It feels like we're in one in in the ag producers and stuff. So you know the next the next battle that we're going to be facing is probably positioning where markets get you know we get too long and too loaded up in those stocks and there's a big pullback and then you know all kinds of recoveries going on in that bull market. But yeah, I think that these are markets to latch onto for the next several years. They seem to be in really good working condition. Yeah, so that's more of an investing. Something that you're looking at at a on a longer term basis. Yeah, that's, you know, it's lining it's lining up that they're 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 set to have you know you know a lot of margin expansion and a lot of inelastic pricing um, heading in their future. So yeah, I wouldn't bet against those with anyone's money. Awesome. Uh, we uh, interesting on that. Jim uh, Griffin asked from the RV site, why is nat gas up four percent on the day, but equities are down? Same for crude. Modest gain in the commodity, but the equities are down. The tip of the spear, natural gas is the tip of the commodity spear, right? So when natural gas prices, you know, rally as sharply as they did today, I mean, we're 878 bid, no offer right now, probably the European Union on the bid trying to fill their storage tanks. But the reason that that is exactly the reason the stock market's down today. This is the heart of the great rotation that I speak of. What is definitely not going to survive the future? with higher interest rates, FANG stocks. 
right? With a two sigma free fall in Apple today, Fang Complex is off 6%. To me, that's just a direct reaction to the fact that yields came out of that, that FOMC meeting and went straight back to being you know, bid only and yield. So offers only in the treasury market. Mm -hmm. Um, That to me right there, that is another indication on high that the great rotation is about to start rolling. I tweeted that out on Tuesday, you know, before the FOMC meeting. And I said, you know, natural gas ripping through eight bucks here is going to put that natural resources wrecking ball back in motion. And my sort of reference to the wrecking ball is that natural resources go bid and everything technology gets slaughtered. And I mean, you can see it all over the tape today, cloud storage, big tech, fang, it all came apart today. I, and, and it's worrying when we have a, a natural resource wrecking ball and a dollar wrecking ball. So, someone just, a banker just said to me recently, we were talking about elephants in the room. He's like, oh, there are several, <laughs> they're rampaging, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and it's true. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. TC on the RV site, I love this. Um, says, one thing I'd like to challenge TG on vis-a-vis nat gas, Europe traditionally refills nat gas over the summer. If they do it early, when those tanks get filled, that's it. So where's the demand for nat gas after that? Well, hold on. Let's stay on the supply for a minute. Don't change the subject so fast on me, Maggie. You know what I mean? I'd like to answer that question. No, not, no, it wasn't you. My point was is that that that's totally true, right? If if Europe decides, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to gas these things up until they're full. Maybe they get that done before the summertime. I doubt it because if you look at sort of natural gas inventories versus five-year average band, we are nosediving below the five-year average band, right? So this is no longer like, you know, we're in we're within the realm of historic norms. Right. We are well below the realm of historic norms in terms of storage. So they may have started now because they're going to need through the whole summer to get the tanks filled because they put, you know, too much weight on, um, you know, not having any fossil fuels in storage as a part of their, you know, green package and green pivot. So mm-hmm. until that changes, you know, it's I understand that that is the risk to the trade and it's definitely something that I look out for. Mm-hmm. But you've still got the U.S. with low inventories and you still got the U.S. trying to build out all this LNG infrastructure um, because the demand is there. So I, I'm going to say that this market is going to stay structurally intact even when Europe gets their tanks full. I want to pivot. We've got a couple questions about stocks. And so I'm not sure if you're in this or not, but Crypto Poppy asking on the RV site, is Tony buying ARK with Raul? I'm going to guess the answer is no, but I don't know. Tell me. And maybe in in any way, shape or form, like maybe not short term, long term, are you looking at it at all? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it as the one of the gorillas in the room that is set on fire and doesn't know it yet. You know, I mean, I don't know how else to say there's been so much. You can draw circles around the massive pools of capital that that ARC has combusted that are not coming back. When you look at some of the charts of the stocks that they've given back money in, they're over. And now with the bond market confirming that they're over as we pivot to this rate hike regime, 
I don't know why anybody would get in the way of that freight train. I mean, it's nice that you can be bullish to commodities. This is, a, I mean, you can be bullish technology. This is a market for securities and their finest day is behind them. So mm. I wouldn't touch ARC with a five foot pole. And the lower it goes, the more bearish I get. That thing might get zeroed out before it's over. Wow. And there, but there are people who are still trying to call the bottom in it as well. I think, I think Tommy Thornton might have tweeted out yesterday about dollar inflows into ARC. The, oh, man. You know, I mean, there's nothing nothing more interesting than watching people set money on fire. Right. I mean, there are people that have been addicted to the performance. They've probably been in since the highs. And when something that they believe in gets cut in half, they reflexively put more money in. So, you know, if the if this if this regime change isn't clear after today and believe me, this is going to be amplified on tomorrow's close by a factor of I don't even know what yet. But if you haven't come around to the fact that technology is going to face uphill battle while yields are rising, you're not paying attention. You're just not even looking at the screens. And I don't know what to tell people in that position. I, I think, uh, I, and I'm saying I think, and I'm almost positive that Kathy's part of our global recession um, series that's taking place over the next two weeks. It'll be really interesting to see what she has to say. I, I have a question. Yep. Yeah. I have a question. Um, and again, this is also time frame because as we know, you know, I think with both Kathy and Raul, their time frame is very long, but you got to live to fight that fight, right? And if you get smoked out before that, it doesn't really matter is the point I think you're making, Tony. I have to ask this question that came, if I can find it, um, came online, someone earlier asking, essentially, I'll I'll paraphrase it, but it was from um, Aber or Abier. Um, do we see a bottom in the stock market before a recession, or does that happen once the recession is underway? Do, do you look at what's happening in levels and stocks relative to the business cycle at all, Tony? Are you looking at different technicals that are going to guide you in terms of looking at, say, the S&P? Well, you know, historically, you know, it's usually the type of situation where um, if we, you know, if you want to do the stock market recession thing, you know, it's usually where the stock market is a very forward looking indicator and you'll see stocks bottom as while you're in that recession at some point where they're anticipating breaking out of the recession. So they're always a leading indicator no matter what. Um and like I said, now we're back into that recession argument that I really don't want to have because right. I don't have enough evidence. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to predict one. Right. Uh, last question. I think we have time to squeeze in uh, from Zoran on the RV site. Would you include uranium in that rotation considering the recent sell-off what oil and gas are holding up? Good question. Very good question. You know, uranium has been volatile. They just got the rug pulled out from them, not getting that NYSE listing. And I understand that's a big negative. It takes a lot of flow a lot of potential flow out of that ETF. So with that said, I still think that uranium is a great trade to be in if you want to fade the ESG movement. You know, it seems insane to me that they're closing nuclear reactors in Europe while they're having this energy problem. You know, it seems like a lot be a lot easier for them to just have them ready and or restart them. Um, and I think that no matter what, it, no matter what, at some point, Mother Nature is going to force them into that because there's no way that they're um, leaning the amount that they lean on wind and solar capacity is always going to be there to offset whatever, you know, hot or cold seasonal weather they're having. So eventually, you know, I think that they're going to get burned on that policy now or later. And I think that they're going to have to pivot towards uranium. You know, it's a it's a it's a great it's a wild trade to tri to follow to me. You know, I think you got to follow somebody like Doomberg that's got a great handle on that scientifically and also 
politically and really understands what's going on in that trade. Um, and then you got to pay attention to guys like Jared Dillian, who point out that there are too many assholes in the trade. And that, that's also <laughs> extremely possible because now I'm in it and I don't know anything about uranium. I was just thinking about that. Uh, is there, there's a, for those of you who missed that episode, there's a hilarious conversation going on between Jared and um, the fact that he pointed out there are a lot of, um, what did he call them? He says there's uh, too many assholes in the uranium. Yeah, uranium or uraholes or something. He has a great way, a great something he called them, and um, now he's friends with them, I think. But um, there's a great debate going on about that, uh, totally. and we'll talk to him about it next time we have him on. Um, we we got to run. We got to let Tony go, but we had such great questions. We didn't get a chance to get to all of them, but you can bring them all along next time um, because they're going to hold certainly through the week as we see this big commodity move that Tony's been talking about for months and months. You know, still well underway, and one of the only safe places it seems like you were able to hide today. So thanks so much, Tony, as usual. Thanks for having me, Maggie. Great job. Yeah. And we, we got, got a couple of questions about, you know, all the, the recession questions, rates, um, Greg asking about QT. We've got Jeff Snyder on tomorrow. So he's going to have a lot to say about all of that. And of course, it's jobs Friday as well. And then we can look again for that, that continued move that Tony thinks might come into the weekend in this kind of risk off environment. So there's going to be a whole lot to cover tomorrow. So look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. It's a really complicated world out there. We've got massive inflation, recession fears, war in Europe, COVID, China issues. What the hell's happening? Everyone's got an opinion, but who's right? Who's wrong? As co-founder of Real Vision, I've got my own view, but maybe I'm wrong too. And I want to go and find out more from real experts, real in-depth analysis. And I've hand-chosen my experts for this two-week journey of discovery in global recession. Is everyone wrong? I've chosen people like Peter Zihan to talk to him about geopolitics, David Rosenberg about the economy and Pierre Andran, the world's most famous energy trader, about how to navigate the oil markets and where it's all going. This starts on May the 2nd, and I'm going to learn so much about what really is going on and how to best navigate it. Yes, not everybody's going to be saying the same thing, but it's going to allow me to piece together an investment framework to navigate these complicated times. Now, normally we give you seven day trial for one dollar. But because this is so important for all of you, and I think it's one of the most important pieces of content we've ever done, we're extending that free trial for two weeks for $1. So you get the entire campaign of all of these great minds. And it's only $1 for all of this. So just go to realvision.com forward slash global recession to find out more and join me as I try and figure out what the hell's going on. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.